Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Acts 22, verse 25. When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officers standing there, quote, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, what are you doing? This man's a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, quote, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. Paul answered, but I am a citizen by birth. The soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard that he was a Roman citizen, and the commander was frightened because he had ordered him to be bound and whipped. The next day, verse 30, the next day the commander ordered the leading priest into session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about, so he released Paul to have him stand before them. Gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, Brothers, I've always lived before God with a clear conscience. Instantly, Ananias, the high priest, commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. But Paul said to him, God slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. Got to like that. What kind of judge are you, breaking the law yourself by ordering me to be struck like that? Those standing near Paul said to him, Do you dare to insult God's high priest? I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was a high priest. Paul replied, For the scriptures say you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. Paul realized some of the members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees, so he shouted, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, as were my ancestors, and I am on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. This divided the council, the Pharisees against the Sadducees. Woo, let's go. Father, move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm starting a new series this morning uh, on this uh, Candidate Sunday, and uh, this is the first in the series. I've entitled it, Speak Up. I want you to say, Speak Up. Speak up. Three-part series right at the midterm elections. I don't know if you've heard of a tremendous scholar from the, uh, born in 1874. His name is G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton is a, an apologetic, a Christian apologetic and um, apologist, I should say. And he was mightily used to impact uh, a generation he wrote parables and tremendous um, writings and was just mightily used. He's from England. He had an impact on people like C.S. Lewis and many others. He wrote a parable called The Lamp Post, and it is something that I think is profound. I've read it to you before uh, back in 2014, and I'm going to read it to you a section of it now. Suppose a great commotion arises in the street about something, let's say, a lamppost. 
which many influential persons desire to pull it down. The gray-clad monk whose the spirit of the Middle Ages is approached upon the matter, and he begins to say in an arid manner of the schoolmen, quote, let us first of all consider, my brethren, the value of light. If light be in itself good, at this point, he's somewhat excusably knocked down. All of the people make a rush for the lamppost, and the lamppost is down in less than 10 minutes. They all, they all go about congratulating each other on their unmedieval practicality. But as things go on, they do not work out so easily. Some people have pulled down the lamppost because they wanted electric light. Some because they wanted old iron. Some because they wanted darkness. Some because their deeds were evil. Some thought it not enough of a lamppost. Some thought it was too much. They acted because they wanted to smash, some acted because they wanted to smash municipal machinery, some because they wanted to smash something. There was a war in the night, no man knowing who he strikes. So gradually, inevitably, today, tomorrow, or the next day, there comes back the conviction that the monk was right after all. And that all depends on what is the philosophy of light. Only what might have been discussed under a gas lamp must be discussed in the dark. Powerful, powerful picture. Powerful picture of the lamppost. And if you're a fan of the Chronicles of Narnia, that lamppost is most likely came from this parable. It's uh, quite a thing. Write in your notes... As Christian, we believe that there's truth, that there's absolute truth as Christians. We believe that. There's not, there's not an ambiguous blend of maybe or your opinion. We all have opinions. Everyone has an opinion, but God's word is clearly truth. And as a Christian, we believe that. We believe that God exists, and he's spoken truth through his words, through his deeds, ultimately through his son, Jesus. Hebrews talks about that. The battle that's on currently that we're in right now is a battle for worldview. The battle for what worldview will determine the laws of this land. The battle for worldview. And I'm so glad we live in America because we can still vote. And the opinions and worldview of our candidates that are here today and then those that are perhaps not here, they matter. What will the worldview be? Will it be God's truth or will it be a blend of what people think is right? Big difference, as I've taught you over the years, between the American Revolution and the French Revolution is that the French Revolution is based on reason. If you all want to read a great book, it's called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, one of the most astute, finest scholars. He wrote this book, Mere Christianity. You can read that, and it teaches you critical thinking. I encourage those who I'm discipling and mentoring, and I encourage you to read it because it'll teach you to think critically. It's that lie that as long as you believe, you can believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe, and it's all good. Well, you don't believe that is an argument from the book. Because if I believe I can throw boiling water in your lap right now, I'm pretty sure you don't want me to do that because you believe that would be bad. So that destroys that horrible argument. There are literally moral absolutes and our laws need to revolve around that. That's, that's one worldview. The other view is that, well, reason is the, is the day. 
So just yank down the lamppost and do whatever we think is right or, or according to whatever mob yells the loudest. Because of the upcoming elections, I've started this series, and it's the, the battle for worldview. It's important what our candidates think. I've seen some candidates say they believe one thing, but when they get there, they, they don't vote that way. Well, let's look at this text. The Apostle Paul is fulfilling a vow in the temple, and I'm right in the notes, and we do have on screen as well. He's fulfilling a vow in the temple. He's seized by the Jews from Asia and they stir up the crowd and um, in an attempt to basically beat him to death. They don't want to hear Paul anymore. And he's rescued by a Roman commander and his soldiers take him into custody and Paul's about to be flogged. 39 lashes, most likely. And the reason it's 39 is because on the 40th, the statistics are you would die. So they're gonna give him 40, 39 lashes and as he's being tied down to receive his beatings, he said, ah, excuse me, I'm a Roman citizen. Now, that doesn't mean that much to us, perhaps, because maybe we're not scholars of ancient history. But to be a Roman citizen and to be flogged and whipped without a trial is a major crime against Rome and against the emperor. To be a Roman citizen was a big, big deal. And so he says, I'm a Roman citizen. They're like, oh, snap. They're like, are you serious? And, then, and he's like, yeah, I am. He says, I bought mine. He says, well, I was born a citizen, bro. I'm just a little. And so they're terrified because literally they, they could now come under the law of Rome and lose their own lives because they didn't try it. They, they skipped a process here. And... Uh, there's many that wrote about that Cicero, Roman orator, said how horrible it would be for a Roman citizen to be in chains. So the Roman commander backtracks, and the Apostle Paul is, is basically uh, protesting against the unjust action that's being taken. And you know, it could have been that it could have been that he was gonna die. Let me just straighten something out. I didn't really like Christianity at first because it just seemed like a bunch of sissified people trying to do the right thing. No, I, I just didn't. But I've learned something. That real Christianity has backbone. That real Christianity stands up. The Apostle Paul stood up. I th you say, Pastor, I thought, I thought Christians were supposed to be nice and turn the other cheek. Yes, but there's times when you run out of cheeks. And then it's time to stand up. It's time to speak up. I do believe it's time to speak up. Can you say someone, someone say speak up. speak up. Come on, bump your neighbor and say speak up. Speak up. Paul's actions speak to us as Christians living in the United States. His actions speak to us that it's time to speak up and exercise our rights as citizens. We have many rights, as you know of, currently. Why do you say it that way, Pastor? Because they're in danger. We have many rights. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, right to assemble, right to bear arms. Come on, Alaskans. Right to bear arms, I'm going to say it again. A while back, I heard a story about, if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., and I know many of you have, the taxi cab drivers are mostly Ethiopians. And uh, a conversation I had with Dr. Morocco years ago, 
he was there and he was getting a ride from an Ethiopian taxi cab driver and the elections were up and coming for mayor. And so he's talking to the taxi cab driver and the taxi cab driver said in the Ethiopian accent, we love this country. In my country, you can't do anything about the people that get in. It's nothing you can do. But in this country, we can vote. And we don't like the mayor. So we're going to vote him out. I love America. Come on, somebody say, I love America. We take for granted many times the power we have of electing officials. You have the power to put these people in office or not put them in. And I speak to you, not, not just our congregation of, I don't know, 1,500 plus people, but for all those online... And I just believe that you're going to tell other people it's a very important hour. It's an important hour in our nation. It's a very important hour in our state. It's time to speak up. Say it again. It's time to. The fact is, is that our democracy depends on us. And I think we forget about that. Our democracy depends on us. And the problem is, the problem is now our nation was founded on biblical truths. Things like this out of the, at the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They use phraseology like providence. We don't use phraseology like that anymore. Three quarters of our founding father's speech was scripture. Three quarters of it. You can't read anything that they wrote and not see scripture all through it. And yet today, the lamppost has been pulled down by many. It is the chief purpose and plan for my life to make sure it stays up and to let the church be reignited again with truth and the power of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and give God praise. That's all right. Now, our nation was affected by the Great Awakening. See, there, there's revisions, people rewriting history, but if you study history, you'll find that there was this Great Awakening. People like George Whitfield and others had preached and traveled and rode on horseback. There was a move of God where the, the nation had, had a revival. They had an awakening. A revival is like a three-day, four-day meeting. An awakening is when a culture's changed. And people begin to think differently. That's why our nation is the way that it is. We've been more blessed than any other nation in the world. But that all of that's in danger. Come on, somebody say, speak up. There are people that vote. And this is the part. I'm going to pray for myself. God, help me just behave myself right now. Pastor Karen's helping me. She's like, don't do it. Don't do it. There is people that vote along party lines because they came from a family that voted along party lines and their grandfather voted along those party lines and they are loyal to those party lines. Let me just tell you, I am not a Republican and I am not a Democrat. I'm a Christian, first and foremost. And... I, a number of years ago, on one, on one hand, I regret it. On the other hand, I'd do it again right now. <laughs> I want to reach as many people as I can. So if you polarize people, then you, you might not be speaking to their lives anymore. So 
I, I, I ride that razor's edge of trying not to polarize anybody, but go ahead and say it. So I read the Republican uh, platform and I read the Democratic platform a number of years ago and said some very strong things about that. Because when you look at those party platforms, it's clear as a Christian how you would have to vote accordingly. You'll be, you'll, you'll be accountable before God. All of us will. So it's important. You vote the issues. You don't vote your race. You don't vote, you don't vote color of skin. I remember when President Obama got elected and uh, we had people skipping around in the church so happy. I'm like, what is your problem? What are you so happy about? Our church was much smaller then, but I'm just going to tell you a story. I said, what are you so happy about? They're like, yes, the first black president. Now, I'm going to tell you that I was very happy about the first black president. I was not happy about abortion. I was not happy about the same-sex marriage agenda. I was not happy about all the other points. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. But I'm going to vote truth, and you need to vote truth, biblical truth. Not someone's opinion. Not, come on, some, not, not, not public opinion or what shouts loudest. Not the mob. Come on, somebody. you got to stand. you got to speak up. Say it. I'm going to speak up. Say it again. I'm going to speak up. Uh, okay, did I get through that all right? Pastor Karen, are we okay? Very good. I got to behave myself. As a nation, we have a lamppost, and it has been torn down, I believe. But we can see that put back up. We must not be silent, because if you are silent, we cannot be silent lest we lose our freedom. If you're silent right now, don't you say one thing when it comes time of elections and who got elected or whatever. Sit and grumble and murmur, and you didn't vote. You vote. I think as a believer, if you don't vote, I think it's a sin. I think it's wrong. No, we need, to, we need to let our light shine. Democracy's fragile, Mayor. Very fragile. Just look at Antelope Valley, Oregon. They didn't let their light shine. They had moved in on, on by Rajanish. Does anybody remember this? This is, what, this is how fragile democracy is. Rajanish, a guru, came with a bunch of followers, took over this uh, county, they poisoned 700 and, somebody, 700 and something people that weren't for him. Oh, yeah, this is history. You don't hear about this. Democracy, people didn't turn out. I mean, thank God that, that this is 1981. Here you go. Antelope Valley, Oregon. Moved in, took over the town, and they renamed the town Raj, Rajanish Purim. And they attempted to take over the entire county. They poisoned 750 people who were opposed. They started two bio labs, wiretapped various individuals. Our democracy is dependent upon us voting. Our whole system doesn't work unless you speak up. You know that Hitler came to vote, came to power? One vote. Hitler came to power on one vote. Germany was a democracy. Hitler came to power on one vote. So, well, I'm, I don't got to vote. My vote doesn't really matter. Especially in the general election, they count Alaska last. Listen, you have, an, you have, a, you have an, a responsibility before heaven. He solidified his power through his propaganda machine and led a nation into great defilement, killed six million Jews. They're trying to rewrite that too in some places of the world. Christian, instead of voting for a candidate that embraces your, your party platform, 
You, you vote for a candidate based on values, not ethnicity. Please. You know, most politicians, no offense. Most politicians don't worry about you after they get the vote. They get in, change their mind or change things. There's a powerful demonic pressure when you get to Washington, D.C. How do you know? I've talked with people. There's a powerful pressure. A number of years ago, we saw uh, a young man who will remain nameless. He lived in California, and all of his views on politics were extremely left, left-wing. Uh, unbiblical, let me say it that way. Then he gave his heart to Christ, got radically delivered from smoking marijuana. And it's fascinating what happened. Left that place, which is steeped in immorality and confusion. Left that place, came to Alaska, and it's amazing, without being coerced, without being coached, after he's gotten out of the cesspool that's there. Come on, California needs a move of God. California needs an awakening. Out of getting out of there and coming up here and learning and growing in God, it's fantastic how now all of his stands, all of his beliefs are based on biblical truths. It's about biblical truth. All right, we've got to stand up for what God said is right. I'm right back in the notes. And we've got to stand for what God says is wrong. So there's many things that I'm concerned about and uh, that we need to be concerned about, and I've listed some of these main things. We must intervene in the rights of unborn. We must intervene in the rights of unborn. If somebody, if somebody is not pro-life, you're out for me. And uh, now that's been turned. Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Thank God. But now Alaska, Alaska has one of the worst abortion laws in the land. It needs to be changed. That's part of what the Constitutional Convention is about. Is, uh, is Jim here? Where are you, Jim? Just raise your hand. Thank you. That's part of what that's about. My great concern over the Constitutional Convention, if I may say so. I love your handout, and I've, I've printed it. It'll be out front, and I hope everybody gets it. It's beautifully done, well done. My concern is we better get a whole bunch of delegates that get, get it right, because you open up that window, and you don't run through that window and get it, get it done right, then we, we open ourselves up to be in worst case. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. It's all kinds of dark money, if I can quote you all, that's being pumped into Alaska. I think Alaskans can make a difference. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? I'm concerned about the unborn. We need to see that changed. We need to see it changed. And uh, we need to elect people that are pro-life. You know, most people have written off the church, but I'm just going to tell you what will happen here in the state of Alaska and in other places. There is coming such a move of God that people are going to be, I mean, the transformation that's happened is astounding in the lives of people who have come here, and there's other great churches too. You go look at Korea, South Korea. South Korea votes however the church votes. You know why? Because there's the church there is millions of people that went the way they vote is important. Many times politicians don't pay much attention to the Christians because there's not much power there. But that's changing. You you have influence. Say I have influence. You have influence in prayer where the ecclesia, which is actually a political term, called out ones, legislative ones, that when we vote, when we pray before heaven, 
a court of heaven, which is higher than any court in this land, that makes a difference in the earth. All right, I'm concerned about the unborn. I'm concerned about preserving marriage as God intended it. Now, there's laws that have been passed, and as a result, we've changed the bylaws of our church. I'm just going to tell you, well, I'll never do a same-sex marriage. I can't, I won't, ever. Can't, can't do it. It's against my religion. All right, so we've written, we've rewritten our bylaws and changed some things. So I don't do weddings outside of, of, of the church for people that just want to come in and I don't do that. You have to be a formal member. To be a formal member, you have to subscribe to our beliefs and our doctrine, our, our fundamental truths. And if you don't, then you can't be a formal member. So we only do weddings with people that are formal members. That way we're able to circumvent the possible ramrodding of that whole thing that's coming to churches across the land. And I'm going to tell you, if churches don't do that, I've got a lot of pastors that listen. Listen to me. You better fix that. You don't fix that. That thing comes your way. Then they can... They can, they can run you down, hate crimes and all that. If you have that in place, currently it'll protect you. But I'm concerned about that. I am. There's all kinds of crazy laws in California, polys, and that's not Polynesians. There's, I, I can't get into all of it. There, there's sexuality laws have always been a, uh, in culture, and they've been removed. I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm going to move on. I don't mind being in trouble, actually. I'm made for it. I've got eight minutes. We might as well step in it just a little bit. You know, all of this pronoun stuff, all of that, all of that. Listen, I'm a very, I, I am not political. I'm going to say it. You either created the man or you created the woman. And I know people hate, hate, hate us for that. I'm, you know, haters going to hate. But some famous song said, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to stand on truth. And that's the way it is. Now, just I would encourage you, if you, if you want to know more about that, just there's some reports and, and um, interviews that you can read. People that have had sex change operations. They're in bondage. Many of them, and I'm going to shoot high, many of them have ongoing pain. It doesn't ever leave. There's no satisfaction there. It's ongoing pain. You have to constantly take injections either way the rest of your life. And if you don't, then you begin to revert to what the, the way that God made you. And we have placated this thing and, 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 and bottle-fed it and nursed it so we don't hurt anybody's feelings. I don't mind hurting your feelings. I want somebody to hurt my feelings if my feelings need to be hurt. If I need to be offended so that I don't head off to a place of pain, blessed is the obstacle that gets in the way of the man who's on the way to destruction. Thank you. Corey Tenboom said that. There are, there, blessed is the obstacle that gets in the way on the man, of a man on the way to destruction. I'm happy to put up obstacles, and I want God to put up obstacles if I'm going the wrong way. Thank God for truth. Thank God for his word. It's, it's, uh, yes, it's, it's Adam and Eve. Third thing. we got to protect our rights as parents to direct our children's education. Now, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Jim, you, you, I, I'm, I read this and I'm seeing my points uh, on your paper because, because it's biblical truth that's based on. 
Thank you for coming today. And thank you for the hard work of this. Turn to Genesis 18, verse 16. Let me share something with you as I wind this message down. As I bring it in for a landing. You gotta protect our rights as parents to direct our children's education. I'm increasingly concerned about universities. I sent my daughter to a leading Christian university and I had to, I, we had very um, uh, energized discussions as she was having her mind molded and shaped by her professors who did not agree the way that the university stated it. And it was great because her faith then was founded on the rock and not founded on someone's opinion. And the whole culture of defilement that's everywhere. Genesis 18, are you all there? Verse 16. This is the context. The context of this is Sodom and Gomorrah is about to be judged. You know, God judges nations. When the men got up to leave, verse 16, Genesis 18, verse 16, when men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, walked along to see them on their way. Verse 17, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Verse 18, listen closely. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Verse 19, everybody say verse 19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Let me say that again. I've chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. I've taught you on this before, but here's the, here's the essence of it. I'll boil it down and make it plain. God has chosen you. God has chosen me for the purpose of bringing about his plan. His plan includes children. I must teach my kids, direct my children so that they can then be used to fulfill that plan because, because the plan is not one generation. And if you think it's just about what was that, Hezekiah? Was that the knucklehead that, that got judged? He's like, thank God it's not in my generation. What kind of a moron thinks like that? It is about what we leave for this next generation. You must fight for your right. You must fight for your right to direct your children. You must fight for your right for private school. Must fight. I'm going to tell you there's such defilement in our schools. Can you guys do something about that? Do something about it. God help us. There's such defilement in our schools. Isn't that right, Jim? Defilement. And it's horrible. Critical race theory, all kinds of nonsense being pushed. Sure is quiet in here. Aren't you guys glad you came to church? to perversion pushed by the National Education Association, the NEA, many administrators. What is it, the, is it the queer story hour or the, what is that? It's the drag queen story hour. 
Not on my watch. Listen, we love people. We hate sin. That's all there is. We cannot subscribe. We cannot endorse that which is not biblical truth. Will not, cannot. If it means death, so be it. I'm not changing my mind. I can't. I won't. I'm standing up. I'm speaking up. And I want you to do the same thing. He said, okay, pastor, I'm going to do it. Great. I'll show you how. Look at the conclusion. Pray. Pray every day. Pray for these elected officials. Pray for our nation. Pray, pray. Come on, somebody say pray. Pray. You know that ridiculous phrase of like, well, all we can do now is pray. What do you mean all you can do now is pray? That whole building was built through prayer. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I've seen the power of prayer, healing the sick, setting the captives free, even raising the dead. God's able to do it. Pray, pray for America. Come on, somebody say pray. All right, pray. Call. What do you mean call? Get on the phone. Call them. Question them. And, and write checks. Come on, all the, all the, they all, all the politicians said amen. Right? Support them. Support those who, who believe what you believe so that they can move forward. It takes money to run for office. But question them. And you can talk to them today. Ask them. Ask them hard questions. So where do you stand on abortion? Ask them. Vote. Everybody say vote. I'm almost done. Worship team, come on. Everybody say Vote. Find out the, what the candidates believe, where they stand on issues. Register, get involved, and vote. Speak up. You gotta be a Christian citizen. If you don't stand up now, you will very possibly lose rights. We've been losing them all the way along. There's been a slippery slope of sliding. I'm praying for the lamp to be relit. This light of mine is I'm gonna let it shine This light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Let it shine How many of you know that? I'm not going to let anything blow it out. He said, it's dark, Pastor. It's dark. Yes, but a great light is is shining. A great light. You know who the light is? You. Christ in you. The hope of glory. We can change our nation. Come on, somebody. Say, we can change our nation. If you don't believe that, stick around. You see, because the nation, I'm closing. It's my second close. The nation is made of families. This is how I know. It seems like I feel at times like I'm squirting a, a squirt gun at an inferno. But I've discovered this. The Lord reminded me of this. That nations are made of families. And I was lost and I was broken and I was bound. And he saved me. And he snatched me like a stick from the fire. He transformed my life. He transformed my wife. If he did it for me, then he can do it for every family. And if he can do it for every family, he can do it for the United States of America. If you believe that, say amen.
Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Stand up. This little light of mine. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. Yes, I'm gonna let it. I can't hear you. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Come on, let it shine. Let it shine. That's about let half participation. Lift your voice and sing it. This little light of mine. closed. If you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in that condition. There really is a place called hell. It's to be shunned. Jesus was crucified and rose again from the grave on the third day. He paid the price for you. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. If you've never made a decision to give your life to Christ, you've never repented of your sin, ask him to wash you, cleanse you. Won't you do it today? Won't you do it right now? Won't you give your life to Jesus? It's a gift of God. All of sin, says the Bible in the book of Romans, all of sin had fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You must be born again, Jesus said to Nicodemus, a leader, a ruler, in John chapter 3, you must be born again. If you've never been born again, I'm going to give you an opportunity in the closing moments of this service to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. But maybe you're here and, and you used to live for God. You drifted. You're not as on fire for the Lord as you used to be. And you want to come home. You want to come home. You want to come back. You want to recommit your life. Or thirdly, maybe, maybe the enemy just lies to you and you're not sure if you're born again, if you've received Jesus. Number one, give your heart to Christ for the first time. Number two, recommit your life to the Lord. Number three, just to be sure. And uh, for my guests, I'm not doing this specifically for your sake. I do it every service. But I'm certainly speaking to you also. Do you know where you'll go when you'll die? Everyone will die. All of us will die one day. 
You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You want to make a recommitment or you just want to be sure all across this place. You say, that's me, pastor. With every head bowed, people praying. You say, that's me. If that's you, on the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Would you put your hand up in acknowledgement? I see that hand in the back. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, son. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. I see that hand. Those online, perhaps. Thank you. Pray this with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, come on, all across this place, affirm your faith or pray it for the very first time or recommit. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. And we'll close with the benediction and be done this morning. Father, thank you so much for those that prayed and received you. I pray and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch and fill and strengthen them and help them and break every bondage, break every chain. Fill them full of your spirit. Give them a hunger for your word, a hunger for the things of God, a hunger for truth. And that you would fulfill the divine assignment that you have for each and every one in this place. And all those under the sound of my voice. Thank you for their lives and their family. Bless them. Use them. For the purpose for which they were created. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.